All right, guys. Big episode of the Nordies podcast. The Timberwolves fizzle out. What's next for them? We make predictions on the Wilds' first-round matchup with the Blues, talk NFL draft, and maybe the Twins are for real. Here we go. Nordies podcast. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Doing very well. Oh, I'm great. How are you? You know, I can't complain. Happy to be here. Excited for some wild playoff hockey this week. Oh, man, I'm nervous about that now. The bandwagon, the bandwagon's humming full steam, though. Oh, I'm a bandwagon guy. I'm a big playoff hockey guy. Playoff hockey? I can't get through a, re- I can't get through a you know regular season hockey game. Not the whole thing. <laughs> Maybe the OT, maybe, which maybe, has been a lot of yeah. fun. There's been a lot of OT, and that's been great. Maybe third period attention in overtime. <laughs> carve out about carve out well, about 25 minutes. Yeah. Well, hopefully everybody piles on our bandwagon here at the Nordies Podcast and gives us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordies Podcast. Also, subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcasts from and get the Nordies Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week. Thank you. Thank yep. you. I think listens. Jumped a little bit recently, so if you're new to the pod, welcome. Thank you for for being here. We appreciate every one of you. Definitely. All right, guys. Uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? I'm going uh, back to you know I kind of, you kind of fall into your comfort zone, right? Where you're like, yeah, but, but, but so now I'm trying to something in uh, back in Northeast. I haven't had one for a while. Uh, Falling Knife. This is yeah. terminally chill. Um, this is a West Coast IPA. Very good. Very drinkable. Not bitter. Um, kind of tangy, citrusy. I love it. It's very good. Nordy winning. Falling knife. I love it. Yep. Um, all right. I am doing a national brewery. This is Odell out of Colorado. How dare uh, you? Odell, man. <laughs> Odell IPA was my original like craft beers I ever tried. The and one I was with like, the elephant. I was like in college. I was like, damn, you can get really drunk off these. This is amazing. Um, so anyways, this is their Solarized Yuzu Double IPA. It's new. I got a six-pack of it for some affordable price, and it's really good. Like, tastes like grapefruit and all these tasty things, so I recommend this one. Also, the Odell uh, Tap Room was awesome the last time I was there. It was a while Super ago, cool. but they have a really nice place. I have been as well. Yeah, it's great. All right, guys. I'm drinking a big expensive one tonight. It's former, former Nordy winner Black Stack Brewing with uncut jams, strawberry, yes. blueberry, raspberry, mixed berry, sour beer. One, great can. Two, great beer. Is it great? It's really good. Uh, I was worried it was going to be so thick, and I'm kind of done with the big thick ones, and I thought they did a really nice job. Of keeping this as like, Are you, though? <laughs> I, 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 I like that they I, – I don't even know where to go from here. I feel like I'm yeah. – <laughs> I feel like I'm going to fumble whatever I say, so For I like sure. the beer is great. All right, that's good. Okay. You have to you have to do the line though. You have to do the line that inspired the uncut jams. I, I don't know that. I was Josh Safdie's muse when he wrote uncut jams. That's the line. That's the inside joke. I, I don't know what that girl's name is, but I'm a fan. Yeah, well, you, you liked uncut jams, right? Great movie. Yeah, it stressed good. you out, but you liked it. Yeah. Yeah, if it didn't, if that movie didn't stress you out, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Oh my god, I love right, that guys. movie. It is time to start with the starting lineup in this uh, week. 
The only place we could possibly start would be with Laramie Tunsil. You guys might remember him as the first-round draft pick who <laughs> fell brutally on draft day because a picture of him uh, smoking with a gas mask came out. He was projected to go number one to Miami, I believe, was he, right? I don't know who had the number one pick. He ended up going to Miami. Oh, okay, that was it then. Yeah, yeah like Somebody blackmailed the shit out of him, had this video, waited until draft day to release it. Just absolute garbage shit. I mean, who cares? The guy smoked some weed out of a cool device. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Out of the device I tried to buy. Couldn't get, couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. He had bought them all up, apparently. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, so love it. Takes this. He's making it into an NFT, and he's going to sell it and probably make a fortune on it. He's going to sell it. Um, it's the only NFT I've ever actually been interested in, but I don't know how the blockchain works or what Ethereum is. So I can't actually get it if I wanted to, um, or nor could I afford it, I'm sure. But uh, he's going to give some of the money to the Last Prisoner Project, which is you know freeing people for nonviolent cannabis crimes, which is like awesome and very important. So I'm, I'm down for this. I love this move. All right. Something we're not down with is... Uh crime and sexual assault and trevor bauer uh is suspended from major league baseball for two whole years after being suspended for most of last year as well this pretty much ends his career couldn't happen to a worse guy supposed to be like one of the biggest douchebags in sports and obviously the way that he treats other people and in this case treated a woman who he was being intimate with is disgusting and i think the punishment fits the crime so see you later trevor bauer yeah and it's it's very bizarre uh, typically, Major League Baseball has ended up on the wrong side of a lot of things. Um, but they don't, there's two things they don't mess around with uh, steroids and now domestic abuse. Okay. Um, they, they've ratcheted up their suspensions of players. Uh, there's been, you know, uh, Addison Russell for the Cubs was a, a recent uh, person who was, you know, suspended into anonymity, essentially. Um, who was on like a World Series winning team. Uh, there's countless others. I can't name them all off the top of my head, but uh, Trevor Bauer is probably the latest um, moron to get busted doing that. So good for Major League Baseball. Yeah, I missed one. Oh, Ryan, you missed one. There's uh, three things that they take seriously. Steroids, um, domestic abuse and violence, and um, making sure that they don't do anything that would – um, appeal to anyone that's under 58 years old. Well, I, I should have said take seriously, and that should have been like blackouts in markets where you really want to watch your own team play. <laughs> that's that's That was the big one that I missed, so that's my fault. That's All right. Uh, finally, in our starting lineup, Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager, extends with Liverpool. A lot of people thought this would be maybe his final season with them, as he has said many times he wants to coach the German national team before he retires. It was like a natural jumping-off point for it as – uh, Jorgi Lowe, the coach of um, Germany, is gone after years and years and years there. And so a lot of people thought Klopp was going to make that move. But he extends until 2026 with Liverpool, which is good news for Liverpool and also just good news for the Premier League. He's great. A great he's manager. Great. He's, he's so fun. He's, you know, plays an exciting style. And actually, uh, Jim, I have been to three um, games in London, and one of the games was Arsenal versus Dortmund, Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund, and Arsenal okay. won two nothing. But it was really exciting because he was there. Yes, Klopp he would was, always say yeah. that he loved playing against um, Arsene Wenger, and he compared the matchup to 
the symphony that is Arsene Wenger and the heavy metal that is Jurgen Klopp. I love that. Well, I like having a heavy metal, you know, conductor at the helm. Four years. Four more years. I'm psyched. He's my favorite. He just warms my heart, and he gets a lot of wins. He's so good. He's so talented, and he's just a cool manager. He is. He also famously um, lost the Champions League final at Dortmund to their rivals, uh, Bayern Munich. And then after the game, he walked home from the stadium with his backpack. And there's a bunch of cool photos of him doing that. He just it seems like a super down-to-earth guy who it just happens to be one of the masterminds of the modern game in soccer. Love it. Hate All right. It. No, I'm kidding. I think it's great for the league. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Uh, we're going to start out with the main story. That's Minnesota Wild series starts on Monday night. They clinched home ice for the first round, finished with a, I believe, best in franchise history, 113 points. Kaprizov ended in, in like the fifth spot in the league with 108 points, I believe he had. Uh, came down to the very end with some amazing performances uh, from some of those top offensive guys. Uh, they are also the betting favorites at minus 150 to win the series. One guy on ESPN who wrote a big article predicting the postseason predicted that the Wild would lose in the Stanley Cup final to the Florida Panthers. Okay. Shit. I don't want that to happen, but that would be a fun ride. I mean, if I had to choose between losing to the Panthers for the Stanley Cup or losing to the Blues in the first round, I'll choose losing in the Stanley Cup. That'd be pretty exciting. Yeah. That'd be pretty exciting. Especially because yeah, yeah, yeah. that would mean we probably would have had to beat the Blues to Avalanche and Calgary probably at some point on the way there, which would be, I mean, I know we just beat the Avalanche and the Flames in the regular season, but Colorado didn't really have much to play for. Um, I don't know. I am, after what happened to the Wolves, I'm a little uh, gun shy, right? To like, yeah. to like throw my emotions back into a team again. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I just, just am starting to kind of get over all of that. It's starting to heal. Yeah. Starting to heal, starting to process. Every, you know what I mean? I'm moving through the stages. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm working my. I'm. I'm bargaining. You know, I'm, <laughs> That's where you're I'm, at. I'm working my way through there. I'm almost at acceptance, and then I, now I got to do it again um, tomorrow. So or on Monday. So yeah, I'm excited. A couple of things. Uh, Felino, who's been one of our best players this year, integral to the team, uh, was hit with a brutal cheap shot and was down with an injury. It looked like he may have had a serious injury. He's escaped that, and he's going to play through it. When asked about it, he said, this is the playoffs. So he's going to play through it, but he's definitely not 100%. Um, It is crazy because the most violent thing you can do in a hockey game is just stick your knee out. Uh, And that's what the guy did. He got got ejected from the game in a five-minute penalty for it. It was pretty serious, uh, but it looks like Felino will play. Hopefully he's close to 100% soon. Um, And then also I did see a great video someone posted of – um, Delorier going at it with a guy for the blues a few weeks ago. And the guy like cheap shot at him, came from behind and grabbed him around the head and tried to slam him down. And Velo goes after the guy and the refs are in between him. And he's saying, please, please come on, man, just let him go. Let him go. And then he looks at the guy with a big smile on his face. And he says, I get to fuck you up for four straight games. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I'm looking forward to this. Nothing beats the intensity of the NHL playoffs. Uh, they truly are a war. These teams absolutely duke it out um, a couple nights a week for our entertainment. 
I think this is going to be a great matchup. It's unfair. We've talked about it so many times, um, but we have to accept our fate playing against a tough Blues team. And uh, a couple of things. What goalie starts? Yeah, great question. I think it's got to be Talbot. But mm-hmm. I think it's Talbot with a really quick hook. You know what I mean? This is like a starting pitcher in Major League, Base- Major League Baseball playoffs where there's runners on first, second, and third with nobody out to start the second inning relief pitchers are coming in and here mm-hmm. comes yeah i think if calbit sorry if cam talbot gives up a couple early goals um and it looks like you know the ice is tilted in the blues favor in game one i guarantee evison pulls talbot and puts flurry in so i went out to eat this weekend um to josephina mm-hmm. um, fancy great spot what's it called wyzetta great restaurant and uh, sitting at the table next to me was Cam Talbot. Mark Andre. Oh, yeah. And his Sweet. family. Cool stuff. So I Did said, you leave him alone? Don't let in a fucking goal. No, I didn't yeah. say that. No. You flip, flip <laughs> the table and tell him to get his shit together for the playoffs? Yeah, I did do that. So um, predictions, guys. What's going to happen in this first round series with the Wild? I think uh, the Blues are a pretty good team. They've owned us in the regular season. But I don't think that means anything in the playoffs. We've always talked about going into the playoffs with, you know, some good momentum. Um, the Wild have been playing very well um, as of late. And I think we win 4-2. Okay. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say Wild in six. Um, should be pretty scrappy. I'm excited. I'm going to go Wild in five. Or I'm sorry. That's true. Wild in seven I'm going to go with. Okay. I do think this is a great series. I do think that the team who had home ice was going to win this series. Um, the last change is so critical. I think it's going to be a war, and I think that the Wild will come out on top, but maybe at some cost because I do think that this is going to be a brutal series. A bloodbath. Yeah, let's hope yeah, I think no injuries get through it. It would it would be nice to see Kaprizov kind of take the ant leap in the playoffs a little bit where, I mean, the recognition is there, right? But then like to do it at that next level I think is – uh, is due. So hopefully he nets, you know, maybe four or five goals in the series and, and kind of supplants uh, any of the talk about can't do it in the postseason. So I'd love to see that. And Fiala has been red hot too. So keep those two guys going. Yeah. Um, I do think that this is going to be the kind of team we're deep enough that we can score with multiple lines. Uh, their defense hasn't been great all year. Their top pair includes, um, Marco Scandella, former Wildcats. <laughs> wow. Ten, like former, 10 years ago, Scandella. Former uh, Minnesota native, I think Eden Prairie native, Nick Letty is on the team. I mean, they have some kind of like journeyman guys on the blue line. And I do think that that may be the difference in this. Um, both teams are absolutely stocked with uh, good forward attacking. Yeah. A couple of different goalies who can play in our experience. I think that this is a great matchup, probably one of the best series of the first round. And I, like I said, I like the wild. I think, I think the wild are true contenders for the cup. And that's, well, thank God. Thank God for the NHL. We get some of the best matchups in round one. That's what you're really, <laughs> that's what you really are looking for. Well, all right. Sorry. I had to get one last, I had to get one last, one last snarky comment in about that. Um, we're all, we're all with you. All right, here we go. Timberwolves. They fizzle out in the playoffs. They end up losing in six. Um, they were winning by double digits more times 
than any team to ever lose a series, I believe. We we were winning yeah. in five of the six games. Multiple times by double figures, some 20-plus right. point losses. Um, they set all happened. type of bad records in this. Like, I mean, or you could say the Grizzlies have set, you know, cool comeback records. Whichever way you want to look at it, uh, it was a weird series. Up and down, big leads blown, um, weird stuff. So, did this taint the season? The season for you guys at all? I'll go yeah, first. No, baby. I was gonna say. I'll yeah, go, first. go ahead, man. I'll go first, and, and then I'll let Jimbo bring it home. I think not because we we went through like a couple of ups and downs, right? We initially thought like we think the Wolves are going to be better this season. Um, you know, we were all in on their like their chemistry building, draft pick losing final seven games of the the season prior, um, and. Then the Wolves came out and were like, what were they, one and six or something like that? Or like two and seven, like an awful start. I think they won like the first two and everyone was excited. And then they lost like seven straight. And we're like, oh my God. That sounds exactly right. And everyone jumped ship. And Jimbo went from hammer the over to hammer the under. Um, And then, you know, the the ship kind of evened out from there, right? We Mm -hmm. Things turned around. They were able to put you know, some, some decent runs together, few smaller losing streaks. And the fact that we want to play in game against a relatively healthy Clippers team um, mm-hmm. and gave, dude, we gave Memphis a fucking run for their money. I know we blew it. We blew huge leads. That's yeah. apparent. That's a big, we built those leads too. <laughs> That's not easy. It's a, it's a big, it's a, we big had to build thing. Them. it's a big thing to say, we were in every single one of those games. I'm not a big moral victory guy, but yeah. I think the fact that Ant arrived in the postseason, I mean, he hit that game-tying three, fucking falling away on his face. Unbelievable. So cool. um, I don't think it taints the season, I'm, but I'm still disappointed. And I think you could be mm-hmm. both of those at the same time. I 100% agree. Eric, do you want to share anything? I feel pretty disappointed. Like, Do you? I think this was pretty unacceptable. And, like, I just think there's, like, too many big-time players on our team. Mm-hmm. And you can say if they're the right big-time players or not. Um, but I just thought they they absolutely shit their pants in this one. It was some crazy losses. It can happen one time. But, like, just Finch's complete lack of awareness in stopping big runs. Um, the offense completely devolving into weird things that they didn't do all year. Where yep. it became like for big parts of the series it became late in the clock get the ball to pat beverly he attacks the rim and then throws it out to a guy on the three-point line with two seconds left yeah like, how many times did we do that it was bizarre and so i just thought we like got out of what we did in weird parts of the game we had um very little awareness and there's a couple guys who can't be part of the team Dilo cannot be on the team no he is yeah. a max contract player Gotta go. Literally couldn't be on the court at the end of game six because he was so bad. And I think that questions need to be asked of Towns as well. I know that Towns is good. He'll be back for sure. He's probably going to be an all NBA third team guy this year. He's in his prime, but like the rest of the NBA has so little respect for Towns. And I think that's really telling. Including the, including the officials. Did you guys hear the Draymond interview about Towns? No. I don't really like Draymond. Yeah, it was very recent. And I don't really like Draymond, but I thought his everything he said about Towns, I was like, wow, it's so true. He said, I don't really know why Towns is acting the way that he does. 
because he's like, Carl is a really nice guy. And suddenly he's tried to turn himself into this villain who talks all this shit and yells at referees and shushes the crowd and is like this angry kind of villain guy. And he's like, that's not his personality and it doesn't work and it doesn't Mm -hmm. help his team. And he just went kind of off on him and was like, I don't know why he thinks he's earned these things that he hasn't. I don't know why he thinks that he can act this way, but it doesn't work for him. And every time he's done it, it's harmed his team. And I was like, man, I usually hate Draymond, but like, yeah, every word that's a good take. I mean, it's, he, he displays like anti-leadership. Yeah. You know, it's not just him. Like he's actively hurting the team with his pouting and his like, like the, the, the success of the team is the last thing on his mind when he's upset about his own personal stats and racking up fouls and all those things. So yeah, I agree. I mean, some questions need to be asked of Towns for so, sure. I would say that this season was the expectation. I know that the early season numbers had him at 34 and a half wins or something. And they obviously very much exceeded. I think they're 35 and a half wins. They very much went over that. But when you have two max players in their mid twenties and a number one pick, you probably should be expecting to be in the playoffs and they got there and they put on a decent show and that was fine. And so I can live with the season that they had and see Mm -hmm. some building blocks. Obviously Ant looks like he's a future superstar in the league yeah um he's the face of the team and he needs to be made that now um Jaden McDaniels looked good um a couple of the guys who make like literally no money um stepped in and filled in admirably uh, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there can be any more excuses made this team is a needs to be a top eight team who competes to go to the Western Conference Finals next year and if yeah. they don't we deserve better in Minnesota. We deserve better from this team for a long time, and we can give them a pat on the back this year. But at this point, the expectations need to be really high. This roster so, is so content. I, th- I think that they can go. I think they can go from, you know, they went from 23 wins the year before, which is a crazy j- to jump to 47. But Fucking 23 awesome. wins with, with in a short season. massive time out by Towns and Russell. Yeah where they missed massive parts of the season. I mean, they never really got to play together right. until the end of the year. But it was still a massive, massive jump, right? So now they're relevant, and now the expectation isn't just we're happy for them. Now it's like, no, you actually are opening a window here, and you need to get better. So I think they can get to – maybe they can get to 60 wins, and they can get a three, a three seed. And now you're actually getting past the first round. I'll remind everybody that in the NBA, you never fucking the, – the bigger seed always wins, or the better seed. And this – in all eight series, the higher seed, well, I mean, the lower seed, right? The better team won. So it sucks. We put on the best show. I think we had the best tournament out of any of the other teams. Like, I, you know, a lot of them went to six, but ours were exciting, and we were in those games. So I, I'm not disappointed at all, but now the expectations have been set, and they need to get better, and maybe that's without D'Lo because – Boy, did he hurt us in this series! Yeah, he kind of needs to get he kind of needs to get Ben Simmons, you know, in the off season a little bit. Like if if they would have asked Finch and and he would have, you know, pulled the Doc Rivers, I would have been shocked. Be like, why wasn't D'Lo on the floor? Be like, well, he was he's been bad all series. Yeah, being honest, I mean, and that's not doesn't seem like something Finch would do, right? But um, I was just impressed that honestly that he he was putting in McLaughlin and and McDaniel's for his minutes because. In the past, in these other losses, he's had a bad game and he's left him in right to the end because that's our star player. I wouldn't want to offend him. And then we've lost, right? So, um, yeah, we, we still lost game six, but um, I thought it was still the right move. I mean, and even so, the, I don't want to beat the dead horse. If someone asked 
D'Angelo Russell will be like, should you have been in that game based on your like one for seven shooting and your zero for 19 in the fourth quarter in the series? Like, do you think, I mean, yeah. the, the answer is obvious. Like he shouldn't have been in. And regardless yeah. of what, how uh, less talented you may view Jordan McLaughlin, he was playing better in the series overall yeah. um, given his limited minutes. Yeah. So I can get it. I think we're all, I think we're all our takes are valid, right? Like Eric is maybe a little bit more disappointed in how we lost. I just look at the fact that there was a 13% chance we were even any, you know, we were going to get through it just statistically, historically. Um, so I, once we, when we dropped those games to get to that six seed, that's when I really thought, boy, our season's probably over here. You know, let's ride this out and have fun, but it's just tough, man. Um, seven and eights don't have far to go. And my one hope for the offseason is that the players that are going to be returning next year put like a sticky note on their mirror, their daily backpack, whatever, you know, whatever, something that they view most frequently, their laptop. And their it just says, keeper. Yeah. What, yeah, their trapper keeper, uh, their skate shoes, you know, whatever it is that they wear around town. <laughs> no, but like something that just says like wolves can't close, like just a small sticky note, wolves can't close. And that they think yeah. about this, you know what I mean? Like, cause that's the narrative right now. Wolves can't win. Oh, it is. Wolves succumb to big leads. They can't fight under the pressure. Just put Wolves can't close on a small sticky note. Look at it every time you go to the gym, every time you go lift, every time you go shoot, every time you go train, you know, whatever. And and let's learn from this. Let's use this and let's become a yeah. better basketball team next season. I love that. So a couple things about the offseason. Pat Bev is saying he's going to work out this summer with Jaden McDaniel and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, trying to make a comparison between the two and maybe build on Jaden's game. He looked really good in the playoffs. He is super promising. The worst part about the NBA is he's like not that far off from being a free agent now going into year. <laughs> he's taken a long time to develop. Yeah, he's been a slow grower. He is a but... nice, nice player. Um, and then the other yeah, good news was that Ant Edwards scored the most points for a player under 21 in a playoff series in NBA history. He has officially arrived. I know he blew it at the very end of game five. Um, but he also got us back in it with the big three. The moments never seem too big for him. Uh, he looks like an absolute can't-miss star uh, who can just get his own shot and uh, took over big chunks of the playoff playoffs uh, the, the short time we were in there. So yeah. I think Edwards is the reason that I don't feel worse about a bad playoff exit because yeah. it just if we can keep him happy in here, we should have a lot of time in the playoffs. Yep, agreed. So yep. what's next for the Wolves, guys? Anything, any predictions or things we need to do? Well, I think, um, isn't, isn't D'Lo an expiring contract next season? Yes, which is good news for us. I mean, he is incredibly valuable to teams that are looking to cut salary. So I'm not saying we're going to get anything in return that would be like a, you know, they're going to be a first banana, you know, like, or like, let's just say second banana to, Edwards and Carl is third, right? I don't think we're going to get something like that in return, but um, it does set us up to be flexible in adding additional pieces that might be significantly more beneficial than D'Angelo Russell, which is crazy saying because we wouldn't even have won the play-in game if it wasn't for him. So, Would you rather have Zach Levine back? Than D'Angelo Russell? Yeah. They're the same guy. I mean, no I'd rather... Zach Levine's way better. He's a better I... scorer. He's he do, he plays some defense. I mean, but he's Bulls, not going to change dude, the, the Bulls game lost in but... round one too. It's not like he was. I, I know. Think, I don't think he's any. I think they're both kind of the same kind of player. 
best on. Yeah, they are very similar. That's kind of why I brought it up. Just think he's a little better version of him, but I think like you could go out and maybe get like a Julius Randle. Maybe you could probably wheel and deal for some crappy kind of motherfucker. Someone who is going to be like kind of expensive and has maybe two years left on their deal, um, but maybe is a tad bit better than Russell, who is expiring. Well, um, and it's not like it's not like we're going to re-sign D'Lo. Like he needs to be traded. He has to be traded. He's yeah. got to go. I think the two things that they're going to try to do is bring in a good big man, like rim protector kind of guy. Greg Monroe. Yeah. Uh, like uh, it, bro. maybe Miles Turner, something like that. Like just a big man who can get in there and block some shots and can allow Towns to not have to bang so much. Nas Reed is literally unplayable. If Bam Adebayo was on our team instead of like Nas Reed or something, damn, yeah, we'd, like, Bam, we'd be awesome. I, yeah, but I don't know if the Heat would trade Bam for Carl No, I'm not saying we're going to get him. I'm just saying, like, that is absolutely a missing piece. Like, a big dude that can actually rim protect and yeah. get some easy buckets. The only th- the only th- reason I joked about Greg Monroe is because he looked, in the seven minutes that he played, ten times more athletic than Nas Reed. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He, he, he had such a good like, stint. I love that for him. He looked like a normal center that did, like, normal center things, not Nas Reed stuff. Like, Nas Reed is, yeah. like, a, like, a stiff weirdly unathletic center and Greg Monroe it's was like, like was like always doing... on the three point line. Why is Nas always out by the three? That's like part he of has to jack up threes because he's out there. Because he can't well, he can't do much else. And Greg Monroe was like doing like spin moves and post moves and like doing baby hooks. And I was like, oh that's what a center looks like. Thank God. Yeah. All right, yeah. would you take that would you take this risk? I probably wouldn't, but would you trade D um McDaniels and two firsts for uh, Dame Lillard. Nah. I th- the other reason I, I would say Dame's more. Reason- we need somebody that's like actually won in the postseason a little bit more. Like Dame is. He's hit game but, seven. Jerry's out yeah, on him. The, the only reason I would say no is because he would take. Well, he would take the ball away from Ant too. Yeah. Like you want to yeah. talk about like you want to talk about like taking a bad three. With two and a half minutes left in a game you're winning by seven, Dame Lillard would fire one up from half court if he got the chance, just to like. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't I think I, would, I don't think I would mortgage the future on Damian Lillard, but it would certainly be fucking fun to watch those guys yeah. play together. I do think it'll be interesting to see if um, what happens with the Celtics and if they can fit in Marcus Smart if we try to make another run at him. Um, you know, we tried to kind of package like a. Beasley and Beverly to get Marcus Smart, and we were kind of lukewarm on it. But then since then, he won the Defensive Player of the Year and has been integral to the Celtics' success. So I think that kind of shows the blueprint of what they want to put next to Ant, like a a big physical point guard who can switch and defend everywhere and doesn't need the ball a lot. And so I think that they want. I think what they want is like um, a twenty-five-year-old version of. Pat Bev. First like, of all, first of all, I want to say, if we could have traded Pat Beverly and Malik Beasley for Marcus Smart, I think all of us would have done that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think we, we would were, have had more. I think we were saying that the Celtics, like that's a preposterous offer. We would have had to up it significantly more. And when you start throwing in picks and and at the time, the Celtics weren't doing all that well. So it's not they weren't doing all that well. And remember, he's an expiring contract too. Yes. So I think they mm-hmm. were trying to think like, what can we get exactly to compete Bill? And so they have to make that kind of choice. So I'd wonder if we're gonna make another run at him, maybe. Um, here's one other thing, guys. Uh 
I'm not saying that we should do this. Um, I'm not making my bold prediction about last time I said we should trade Towns, which was for the number one pick to Phoenix, so he could play with his buddy Devin Booker, and we could take Luka Doncic. I'm not quite ready to do that yet, but I am starting to to feel this little feeling that maybe we trade Towns for like a nice rotational piece and the number one pick, and we take Minneapolis' own Chet, a uh, stretch five who probably profiles to be a lot like Carl Anthony Towns in this league and is much cheaper and would allow us to just hand the reins to Ant. Chet Holmgren is like six, sure, nine, okay. 175. Oh, he's seven foot one, handles the ball, shoots threes, and is going to be the next Carl Anthony Towns, I guarantee it. And he lost to God knows who. They got... What, what did Towns do? I don't know. Kentucky, what did he do Kentucky won the national championship at some point while he was there. He was there for one year. I mean, maybe he won it. I don't think he did. I don't anyway, know. He's he's Holmgren needs at least 50 pounds to be competitive in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what people said about Giannis. When I see these bodies that look really weird. I think they're all going to be like Zion Williamson and like have ankle issues in like a year. Anyway, let's not, let's not, let's let's do NBA draft preview later. That's I'm just saying, call. I'm starting to think that. I'm, I'm starting to you're feel feeling, that. You're oh, feeling. Hey, dude, I would be open to anything except for I want to keep Ant for sure, but the rest of the team, why not? I mean, I, I'd say like we know what we have. I think we hit our ceiling. I think well, that's not really true because we can. We didn't hit our ceiling because we can play a lot better, more consistently, and win more games, right? But yeah, but we're um, not. A, I think it's, it might be time for a couple roster changes this this yeah, offseason. For sure. All right, uh, we'll move on to the NFL draft. The Vikings uh, had trade a Palooza. At one point, we had six trades and five draft picks. Um, I think that they might have overdid it a little bit on the trading. <laughs> uh, and I have to tell you guys that I don't know if I've ever hated a trade that we've made more than the first trade that we made. To the Lions? So we traded to the Lions, the number 12 pick in the draft. And when I saw Vikings trade the pick and the Lions popped up, I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. We just traded for their first-round pick and their next year's first and probably more is what I thought. Because mm-hmm. that is the precedent that has been set in draft trades. Last year, uh, well, the Bears traded up from 20 to 12, and they gave up number 20 and this year's first-round pick to go from 20 to 12 to take Justin Fields. So when I saw we were moving from 12 to 32, I kind of thought we're going to get their first, second, and next year's first is what I was thinking. And we didn't get close to that. No, we didn't even get in the ballpark of that. We got their first with our second first, number 32, their first, second round pick, 34, and we got number 66, which I was like, okay, I mean, that's sort of a haul, I guess, but probably not good enough. But then I found out we also traded them our second round pick, number 46. I do not understand this trade. We moved down 20 spots in the first round to move up 12 spots in the second round for the price of the 66th pick in the draft, an early third round pick. Huh? When you put it like that, it sounds bad. I hate that trade. And... Just to boot, this wasn't like we were trading with the San Diego Chargers, right? And I'm not saying that the Lions are ready to compete for the division title or anything like that, but we handed them on a silver platter uh, on paper a really phenomenal wide receiver. I just I just don't understand it. Um, I, I don't actually have a problem with them moving down in the draft. That's not my issue. I just didn't think we got value for what we did. I felt like we were moving down just to move down, and that was really obnoxious to me. And then uh, what the happened? Fact and then what happened? Get a few, 
when when word leaked out that uh Quasi could be taken behind the woodshed for uh draft day trades, then what happened? This trade more people hated than I did, to be honest with you. This one we traded our then early second round pick for two second round picks with the Packers. This one didn't bother me nearly as much as the first one. Um, a, an early second for two late seconds seems like a fine trade, but people were really pissed because they imagined that this NDSU wide receiver, Christian Watkins or whatever his name is, Watson, is going to be a superstar. I don't know. I'm sure he's going to stink, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> that one didn't bother me quite as much, but it was just weird. We were just trading and trading and trading, and then we traded back up, and then we we traded a, a pick – to the Raiders, and then we traded the pick that we traded to the we got from the Raiders to the Raiders again. Like what? What are we even doing? Um, I just thought that was weird. So I didn't like all the trading, um, but we can talk quickly about a few of the players we did get. So we got Lewis Seen uh, at number thirty-two, the last pick of the first round. He's a safety from Georgia. Um, so I don't think this is an issue. Everyone's like, well, why don't we just draft um, Hamilton, the the big Notre Dame, Notre Dame kid? Why yeah. do you want? I wanted him badly, but here's the deal. If the Vikings honestly went through and said, we need a safety and they like seen at 32 more than they like Hamilton at 12, that's fine. If our scouting likes seen at that position more than they like Hamilton at 12, I'm okay with that. And I, that's their, their decision. And so I w- I'm not going to question that pick. I actually think seen is going to be a good player for us. I'm sure he fits our scheme better than six foot four kind of slow Hamilton did, but that's, you know, that's fine. I just didn't think we got the value needed to go down to make that pick, if that makes sense. Nope, it totally does. Yeah, it, does. it totally does. He's much faster, though. Seen is 6'2". He ran a 4'37 at the Combine, which in 10 years ago would have been the fastest safety to ever run at the Combine. I mean, like, this dude he would is have been 10 years ago would have been, like, top 15 players ever. Yes, Like, not exactly. just safeties. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude can absolutely cook. Um, Hamilton had dropped from a top five pick to ended up going 14th because he ran a four, five, nine, and then a four, seven. Um, so he's significantly slower, but he's huge and a big playmaker. So I'm fine with that. Um, they traded up then in the second round to get Andrew Booth, um, the cornerback from Clemson. I thought this was a great pick at 42. I saw a lot of people had him in their twenties, um, for player, uh, and value. He was injured a lot and didn't even go to the combine because he was injured. So that's not great, but he fell, obviously, from being a sure first-round pick kind of guy to a second-rounder because of injury. So I thought that was a good risk for them to take. And that's two players in a row on big-time winning programs that played in a lot of big-time games. Yes, and at defensive backfield, where we have been an absolute disaster. Um, So that was nice. They took Ed Ingram late in the second round from LSU. He's a big, huge guard, another big program, has played a billion, bajillion games. People didn't like this pick because, you know, all of the mock drafters had him much lower. Again, this is the Vikings scouting. I We have to give them the benefit of the doubt and trust them. They liked this guy. They thought he was value, you know, a value for them at this spot. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. A good guard that played in the SEC against some of, like, the, the best defensive linemen that are being drafted? Like, I don't understand the issue with that unless you think he's I think terrible. But, like, my, my, wasn't the best guard available. Okay, maybe, but I also think but to like the Vikings he was. to the Vikings he was, and um, shoot, what was I going to say? Uh, I totally forgot my train of thought, but let's move on. We'll get back to it. So <laughs> then the pick we got, the other pick we got from the Lions, they took 
linebacker Brian Asamoah, Oklahoma. So they were going for big programs here, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, and Oklahoma um, with their picks. Uh, Brian Asamoah is a super athletic, rangy linebacker who's going to play as the third linebacker. So in any kind of like four, three, uh, three, four base stuff, he'll play, he'll play on um, different rundowns. He'll probably play half the time, but he should be a really electric. He looked uh, like on some of his highlights, that boy can chase and like get downhill quickly. So I was, I was very impressed with him. The hope will be that he can replace either Hicks or Kendricks next year. Um, after after next year so he'll probably be like a situational guy year one and then special teams guy yeah uh i remember my thought i remember my thought real quick about ed ingram uh would you rather take a starting guard for lsu who's kind of a mauler and played against some big time uh defenses in the sec or would you rather start Oli udo again for like 13 games no i'm fine with it like i said no i don't think that's to you to the people that are complaining about the pick yeah I don't think it's fair to question NFL team scouting. Like if everyone just went the same way as the mock drafters went, then the mock drafters would work for all of the NFL. Exactly. Teams, you know, <laughs> why doesn't Mel Paper work for an NFL team? Because he's not, you know, he's not a scout. He's, just, he's not, he's not a scout. Yeah. He's doing it for entertainment. And so it's fine. If, if some team has Ed Ingram as their 200th best player and the Vikings had him at 50, that's why you hire scouts and they see different things or they want different things. So I was cool with that. The last guy I'll talk about is they took a big, huge cornerback, Caleb Evans, in the fourth round from Missouri. So if you're keeping track at home, that is a corner, a safety, a cornerback, a guard, a pass-covering linebacker, and a cornerback. If you don't think they weren't worried about covering the pass and mm-hmm. trying to stop teams passing games, you're kidding yourselves because they spent four of their top five picks on that. And then they worked on the pass rush after that. So, um and that's you know, with a, really, that's with an offensive minded head coach, an offensive coordinator like head coach. Yes, and so I think that they looked at this offense and they said, "Man, people hate Kirk Cousins and they complain about the offensive line, but this offense has been shredding people for the last few years. Uh, they have a bunch of receivers, they have a great running back, they have a good tight end, they have a good quarterback, they have decent guys on the line. We don't need to add much there. We can maybe bolster the line a little bit, and they tried, um, but they really went to that defensive backfield." Um, as what they were trying to fix up here. And I do think it's a good move. So overall, um, I don't think the Vikings had a bad draft. I don't know if they had a a great draft by any means. I think they just made it really kind of like hard to evaluate with how many trades they made. And I think it was almost like they were just moving around just to move around a little bit. And And so trading trading interdivisionally gives us all like an emotional response. Right. Regardless of yes. whether or not it's a good or bad trade, we're like, fuck that. We traded with the Packers. You know, I was definitely victim to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was bizarre that we were doing that. Um, wouldn't be my first choice. Uh, but overall, I mean, I, it's just hard to guess with the draft, especially when you're counting on guys to step into starting roles or fill roles in the defensive backfield for us. Um, you know, hopefully seen as a star player next to Harrison Smith right away. Hopefully Booth can hop in and start by the few games into this. Hopefully Ed Ingram shores up that line. Hopefully Asamoa is, you know, a really nice piece on that defense. And Evans is the prospect kind of uh, high upside guy that they drafted. So we won't know for a while, um, but I just thought their draft was probably average for now. So let's move into our new game. Well, here, wait, wait, wait. Before we do that, can we, can we just do like the thing where you guys give like the grade? I think the grades are so dumb. I want us to do it. What would I give a grade for our draft? Um, I'd give it a, a 
a B minus. Yeah, I was going to say okay. C plus. Like it was like middle of the pack for the NFL. When I saw the value charts, we didn't get great value. We reached on some guys. Um, I thought we got great value early, and then we kind of reached with guys that we wanted. Again, that doesn't matter. That's just for an article that you can read, but mm-hmm. time will tell. I'm also average. So, I'm also picturing uh, Rick Spielman like laughing to himself, you know, smoking a cigar, being like, I would have gotten more than that, you know, kind of scenario. Yeah, he probably would have. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think it was okay. The the two trades in a row with the Lions and the Packers is fucking weird. Like it's just weird. Like I don't care if we traded with the Cowboys or, like I said, the Chargers or the Jets. Like I fine, but like to to do you love to trade with the Bills to do two in a row to the division. You know, one of them that's significantly ahead of us, filling filling one of their largest gaps that that they have. This is it's just bizarre. Like that that just baffles me. A question about in your game here. Are there any questions about the Packers? No. Okay, I will just say this: Um, the Packers reached for a weird linebacker when there were better ones available. They got a good defensive lineman like they have every year for like the past 12 years. And they didn't draft a first-round receiver again. And they got the pick from the Vikings to draft. I think his name is Christian Watson or something. Yeah, I think that's his name. He's an athletic freak from uh, North Dakota State whose tape wasn't as good. I think he dropped the ball and ran really robotic routes is what I saw. Um, he's the epitome of like a boomer bust type of prospect, like elite, elite athleticism, but like, will he ever be smooth enough to play well in an offense? I think this was a risky pick for them. So like more of, they a, had to get more a, of a Cordero in that regard, or I mean, I think they will see him as like a normal route running receiver, but like, I don't think he runs good routes and he hasn't played at a very high level ever. And so I think he's going to be frustrating. Um, but, like, you know, maybe it's a home run or maybe it's a strikeout. Like, I think it's that kind of pick. Like, he'll either be a star or he'll be just horrible, I would guess. So, let's move on to Daft about the draft. What do we got, Ryan? All right. So, these are just some questions I came up with that that we're maybe looking for a little bit more in-depth look. And I think you kind of touched on some of them um, already. But, like, maybe give you the opportunity to speak to some questions that I would guess maybe a lot of our listeners have. Um, or I probably have. Or so this will be helpful. don't have currently, but think i'm just brilliant for the question so i'll take that as mm. well um <clears throat> so okay. maybe you touched on this just a little bit but eric can you go a little bit in, more in depth as to why so much defense and is lewis seen already my favorite viking of 2022 um why so much defense uh we went from having like a historically bad defense to having an almost historically bad defense uh, in two years with a defensive coach, Mike Zimmer. Historically good to lot... historically bad? Is that what you're saying? No, no. two years ago, it was historically bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, year, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like, almost, almost making history again. <laughs> yeah, we like were almost as bad, but like a little bit better. Um, I think that a big piece of it is that we're switching schemes, right? So we're completely sk- switching our defensive schemes to Ed Donatello's scheme, which is going to have a totally different front. It's not going to look anything like the scheme that we've seen in for the Vikings ever, um, which is going to be exciting. They've obviously brought in some different pieces. Darius Smith comes in. They bring back Daniel Hunter. Uh, they brought in more guys on the defensive line. They brought in Hicks to play as another linebacker. They've been trying to kind of rebuild the defense on the fly, completely changing schemes, having to get rid of some of these stalwart pieces that have been left behind by Mike Zimmer. And so 
I think you're getting guys that will fit that Donatel scheme um, so they can compete this year. I think Seen is going to be an electric player in this defense who hits and covers all over the place. And I think playing with someone like Harrison Smith is going to free him up and probably Harrison up to a degree too, just because he's so fast. Well, and, and um, what, he, what better professional could Seen learn from than Harrison Smith? He's in a defensive backfield with Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson. Any defensive back should be absolutely so happy to be in that backfield with those guys. Um, My favorite thing to watch with the Vikings this year was Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson talking pre-snap. Every time they they probably, they see it. They see everything. They know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. And so I think like, uh, these guys will really benefit from being on such a veteran team. Even if, if our talent is, isn't quite there this year, I do think like they're trying to get the piece in motion to have a really competitive team over the next few years. So defense was critical. The offense is much further along than the defense at this point. And I think, I think you, you hit the nail on the head is like Kevin O'Connell knows what he has offensively. Um, so no need to go out and, and upgrade too many positions. So then uh, based on your comment about the, the three, four scheme, the switch to it, um, what current Vikings veteran that maybe has been here for a few years or, or beyond that will likely be nudged out by the switch to the three, four. Um, I think at this point, they've probably nudged most of the guys out. I think the guy who is playing his last season here is Kendricks. I don't think it's going to fit him as well. And I think he already took a step back. So I'm going to guess he plays one lackluster year in this scheme and then leaves or is cut or whatever it is. I don't know if his contract's up, but I would say Kendricks is probably the guy who doesn't fit at this point on the team. Which is crazy because he was such a good player under under Zimmer. Uh, I don't know what his pro football focus grade was the last couple of years, but at least with, during, his, really during good. his good years, he was really good. Yeah, I think he just – he was still good last year, but changing schemes as like a 30-year-old or 31-year-old, whatever he is, is going to be tough. So I would say if there's one guy who's going to – kind of stick out and probably not be around much longer it's probably and probably you know too expensive yeah given given his situation so um since wow what a great transition by me bringing it up speaking of salary um is there is this is the salary of of taking a player at 32 versus 12th an important consideration for the vikings given our kind of uh strapped uh salary cap situation I think that they probably didn't think about that at all, to be honest with you. Like, they probably just set aside the money that they thought that they would need for all their draft picks combined, knowing that the first-round pick would be by far the most. It probably saved them a little bit of money, but I think what really was telling was probably that they they targeted picks in these little pockets. Like, they obviously thought the 30s was going to have good value. Um, and so I think that they were looking at the draft saying, the top-end talent's not that good. People aren't coming up for quarterbacks. So we think this is a deep draft and not a top-heavy draft. And so I think that it was more they would prefer to have two players. Like they'd rather have Booth and um, Scene than Kyle Hamilton, I think was more of what they were trying to say. Okay. I was just wondering because the pick number 12 has a contract value of $19.1 million, and pick number 32 has a contract value of 12.4. So that's a significant cap savings. Yeah, over is it over five years? I mean, it's about a million dollars difference, which is, is sure. a bit. Okay. Anyway, 
I thought I, I thought that maybe that was something that they were just like, well, maybe we have some additional free agent dollars that we'd like to spend, um, and we definitely want to trade back to to save that money. So, um, yeah. I'm going to ask um, an easy softball question, and then for the last one, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, is the tight end position going to be a huge problem for 2022, um, or is it that? Because really we have like Irv Smith, a rookie, and then three other no-name guys. Um, or is it that KOC's plan doesn't necessarily feature tight ends as often? I think that like if you look at the Rams, they don't really have any big tight ends. They always had like weird veteran guys or guys who kind of like made a name for themselves being in a good offense. But they weren't ever trying to go big after tight ends. So my guess is he's going to move Irv around a little bit, but that they won't play with a lot of other tight ends. And if they do, they'll be like doing jobs that are not glamorous. So I think that their lack of going for a tight end anywhere in the vicinity of early in the draft or in free agency has them feeling like we can find a guy we need off the scrap heap in the Irv's, summer. Irv's the guy, and then we just need a mauler for third and short kind of situation i bet they're gonna have three or four guys who will play tight end who will have like two combined catches for year. okay and when they catch that ball for four yards and a first down the crowd is gonna go absolutely fucking ape shit i think the crowd will say who yeah <laughs> well well hopefully they have like a last name like booth where we can be like boo you know what i mean uh anyway yeah <laughs> so <clears throat> we've talked about this 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 is the most talked about Vikings draft topic and it's the upgrading the offensive line. We got a guard in the third round and a tackle in the sixth. Was it sixth or seventh, Eric? I forget where we got the, the other tackle from. Um, yeah, late. So basically like may not be on the roster in 2022. Are the Vikings banking on the fact that they'll be able to scheme their way to better protection for cousins in 2022? I think that they feel good about their offensive line way more than we think they do. I think that the only position they might not feel great about is swing tackle right now. Cause I don't think Hill's back. So, and, and uh, what's our guy from last year? Um, Christian Derrissaw was injured a lot last year. So I think like Derrissaw's health is probably their biggest fear. But if you really think about it, they have Derrissaw who was a first round pick last year who looked promising. O'Neal, who's one of the best right tackles in the league, didn't give up a sack like all of last season. Uh, Bradbury, who's got to produce now or never. He's going into year four of being a first-round draft pick. He's been a starter all the whole time. Um, you have uh, Ezra Cleveland, who was a second-round pick, who had a pretty good year last year. And then Black Hole position, Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. has been an absolute disaster for them, whether it's been Dakota Dozier or Udo or, I don't even know, Cole or whoever. Yeah. I mean, it's just been a disaster. So I think that they're really hoping Ingram instantly hops in and fills that spot. Where if, he, where if he's, he's like a C plus, you're like, God, love it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I think that part of the reason that they liked him a lot was because he was experienced and that he has a high floor. Like his ceiling might not be that high, but I think his floor is like, well, he's a starter in the league. I think he'll hop right in and be an okay guard right away. And okay might feel good for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as like nice. pass protection is fine. I think that's the key. Like yeah. I don't so what if he can't fucking run block as yeah. well, right? Everybody can run block. But anyway, I thought it was curious that we've we've harped on Spielman and Zimmer for never addressing the offensive line in the draft or or very rarely making an attempt. 
Um, and then we get KOC and, and Quasi, and they don't really do anything. Uh, I mean, you know, again, a third round guard, like you said, filling a, a black hole. But I think I think they're confident in their ability to make the right plays and make the right audibles so that they're not put in positions where their O-line is going to be stressed, you know, to the rafters. So uh, that's also exciting too. Like that's like one of those like under the rug um, type of confident feelings that we can maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just reaching, but Eric, I mean, as a, as a, you know, a football coach, if, if you feel like it doesn't matter who we have, so much as how we do it, you know, like I can do it better than Clint Kubiak. <laughs> I could do it better than Gary Kubiak. I could do it better than, yeah. you know, Norv Turner. So I'm not yeah. too concerned. I think that them doing so little to dress offensive line in the off season and then spending just a second round pick, which is a high pick to draft the guard, by the way, you know, they spent enough to go get one piece. I think that tells you everything you need to know about where they think they are. I think they feel like they're going to have a top. I bet you, if you ask them, they think they're going to have a top ten off of the line. Shit, I I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard them that, say yeah, that. but like that's awesome. I would I would guess that they feel good about their line. I think that they feel like it's moving into a strength after being in the wilderness. For Seriously, so <laughs> long. <laughs> All right. Any other questions? Nope. That's it. All right. Time to move on to the red hot first place. Minnesota Twins. They are 10-1 and one in their last 11 games. They are playing the best baseball we've seen in Minnesota in a long time. And we have a legit MVP candidate, possibly, in Byron Buxton, who is leading the league in war. Is that right? Or he's, like, way up there? Yeah, he was. And he then, was over 10. I don't know what where he's at now. And then you have what looks to be a legit ace in Joe Ryan. Oh, man. And the mustache to, and the mustache to match it. Who did we trade for Joe Nelson Ryan? Cruz? Oh, Nelson Cruz, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> this was a great deal. This was like a mid-level prospect from the Rays, and this makes me really believe in the Twins' um, organization and front office. I, I'm not saying that they didn't get lucky, and maybe they did, but it sounded like they really liked Joe Ryan. They wanted to get him. He was a piece they handpicked. They took him from being what people thought was a fastball-only pitcher to a guy who looks like he's on the path to being a legitimate ace in Major It also League makes baseball. me believe again even further in the Rays organization and their scouting because these guys they find all of the talent it's unbelievable. No, it's it's really exciting um to have some big pieces like this. Like we said Buxton is an absolute phenom when he's on the field. I mean, he's hitting home runs for fun. Uh crushing the ball, hits for a decent average still. Um Everything looks really good on this team except for Miguel Sano. We've we've beat that horse to death. He doesn't he doesn't he's, have a spot. I, I'm hoping that there's somebody you don't, call, you don't need to call him a horse. He's been bad, but you don't need to say Okay, that. fair enough. I think I think <laughs> if you can find the in between the lines of like uh Trevor Larnick, Ryan Garlic, um Nick Gordon, Celestino, Kirilov, um just like somebody that can fill those at bats and like actually get on base most of the time. Um, you've won. I don't know. I don't know if he has any options left. I don't know if we DFA him and, and let him get picked up by, um, you know, uh, off waivers. Uh, but Christ almighty, like he's just bad, like horrible. 
So who's closing games for the Twins? I, uh, I don't know. You depends on the day. Yeah. You, your mom, <laughs> your dad, Adam. I think that uh, yeah. I mean, this team obviously has some glaring needs, but they're playing in such a crappy division uh, that hopefully they're going to be able to rise above all that. The Sox are off to just a atrocious start, uh, which has been a gift for sure. Uh, we are going to have the bats to compete all year long. I think we'll probably end up having one of the best lineups in baseball like we have over the last few years. And it's just the kind of team that's probably going to have to make some moves at the deadline if we continue staying hot to um, build up that pitching staff a little bit. One thing that has been circling around a little bit, though, is that possibly Correa is enjoying himself so much that he might be interested in staying here for the long term. I I heard some rumors that he has been – saying that he might want to sign a, a more official long-term deal. Dude, that'd be sweet. That would be crazy. When I mean, when does he have to do that? He could just do that at the end of the year, though, right? He wouldn't do that mid-season, would he? Um, or could he instantly start making more if he did? I think that this deal is literally a one-year deal to make him the highest-paid infielder in baseball. Yeah. I think that the Twins would probably be a little harder to get to budge on, on that right now because it is – it would be a big commitment for them and a lot of money. And I think it's him saying he kind of believes in the project and is pretty happy here. And also probably scared that he has so little um, security, like long, long term. It's a pretty mm-hmm. short term deal where he's going to have to prove it and get paid a lot of money to do it. And so I don't know. I'm not saying it's going to even happen, but I do. I think there's been some rumblings that he's really enjoying himself so far and would be willing to be part of the project long term. We haven't even had any good weather yet. Yeah. So he's really going to enjoy the summer. Yeah. Wait till wait till it like well, maybe he won't because then it'll it's going to go from like 50 and raining to like 95 and mosquitoes. So maybe he won't like it very much. Yeah. <laughs> like this place really does blow ass. What the hell? I was going to say it's going to go right from 58 and cold and windy right into um mosquito birthing weather. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> there's no in between, and so those shallow pools from yeah, all the rain. Where you, you take know, where perfect. you take a where you take a shower and you step out and you're like, wow, I'm sweating already, already. Yes. I do think that's good news though for them. The one thing that sucks about Minnesota though is like we have like really, really, really passionate Vikings fans, right? Like the Vikings sell out every game. They have great TV ratings. People love the Vikings. The Wild have great fans they've like never not sold out a game the wolves and the twins fans are just a royal disappointment where are they at the, every time it's like some clip because byron buxton hit a crazy walk-off home run and then you look and there's nobody well, in the stands yeah, it's like time. 215 on a wednesday it's like <laughs> like there's nobody <laughs> the there in the weather like, I they, they schedule so many day games in this early april yeah. late may or sorry late april early may uh, because that's the time that it's like the warmest during the day. They're not going to play at seven o'clock at night, potentially when it's 34 degrees outside. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So where do you think the teams rank for us in attendance? Without Maybe, looking, per, well, cheat. first of all, Vikings, number one. But not, Percentage attendant, attendance. Cause I mean, the, there's not that many people fit in the Excel. Like the average attendance. So it's NFL is not as fair because it's so. Well, they have on. seventy thousand seats. The the Wild have nineteen thousand, and there's yeah, so like, eight like Dallas games Dallas there. Has has ninety three thousand seats. You know, like the U.S. Bank Stadium sells out every game at sixty six thousand. So 
it's not as fair in the NFL where Minnesota kind of comes in the middle. Um, but what about the other three teams? I think it's compared to the rest. Well, of the I think it's easily it goes Vikings, Wild, uh, Wolves, Twins. So the the Vikings actually finished this year in 18th in attendance, and they will just can do two. Well, because no they have 66,000 versus 90,000. Like that's not. Yes, mm. but but the other ones are a little easier because they're not always all sellouts. The Wild are third in the NHL in attendance. Not so not surprising at all. Yeah, pack Sweet. the fucking building every game, no matter what happens. The Timberwolves best season they've had in 20 years. They were 21st in the league in attendance. That's a that's actually not bad. That's not bad. Because we were 27, something like that, yeah. It's up, but it's still not great. And then um, the Twins are 24th right now in attendance. For the- so that's what I'm saying. It's just weird. Minnesotans yeah. just don't, you know, they don't always go support those teams like maybe they should when they're really passionate about I think other ones. I think one of the problems yeah. is the location of Target Field. And this isn't a complaint. I'm just saying that, like, the reason that the Cubs sell out every game is because of the packed – you know, uh, like living spaces around, you know, the Wrigleyville area. And they have a significant, like, support. You know, obviously Chicago is a bigger city too. But, like, there's not a lot of, there's not a ton of, like, apartments around Target Field that, you know, lots of people live in, you know. Um, so the, I think that's, you know, the one of the, the major factors. Like Jimbo said, there's eight Vikings games a year. Of course they're going to fucking sell out. Like, I mean, it's easy to do, right? Or maybe maybe yeah. nine now that we're going to odd games. But um, to go to a Twins game, you know, how many people go, like, maybe once, maybe twice a year? Even the season ticket holders are probably like, fuck, God almighty, I don't want to go park, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> so. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, mm-hmm. it makes sense. It does. All right, guys. So, uh, good stuff for the Twins. Lots of things happening in the world of sports here in Minnesota. Um, we're all cheering for the Wild. We're going to be watching those games closely. They start Monday. They play like in the middle of the night every night. I'm pretty sure. It's yeah, kind of late. Like all the games because like fuck the Midwest. So I guess so weird, but whatever. Um, it will be fun. Can't wait to watch those games. But that's all the time we have this episode of a very kind of long sports cast. We usually go shorter on these, but uh, lots we a lot to cover, bro. Um, so check out our screencast later this week until then thank you guys for hanging out with your good friends here at the Northeast Podcast